Greetings, boils and ghouls. Happy New Year. Welcome to a, a, the third season of uh, Tales from the Crypt. Are you, are you thanking me? You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, it's great. <laughs> Who else would I be talking to? All right, so what are we talking about today, Thomas? Well, today, Mary, we kicked off season three of Tales from the Crypt with a little number that I and the world and the people who worked on it and everyone like to call love to death you're like we like to call it love to death because that is its name we don't like to call it anything (laughs) we don't we don't like it really um so i'll tell you a little bit about the personnel on this on this piece uh you can decide what piece it is um the director is a one tom mankowitz he is primarily a writer, not a director. Um, and he wrote a bunch of the James Bond movies. He wrote three of the James Bond movies, and he particularly navigated the difficult transition from Sean Connery's Bond to Roger Moore's Bond. Oh wow! Did he write James Bond? Did he write? Did he write the misogyny, the ones with misogyny and disrespect towards women? Oh, that would be all of them. I think you'll the find casual violence. And yeah. he didn't write all of them, but he did write Diamonds Are Forever, Live and Let all Die, right. and The Man with the Golden Gun. Oh man! So he wrote the one with the best theme song. <laughs> also called James Bond movies I have seen. <laughs> Live and let die. Bam, bam. Oh, we should have done that instead. Instead of Tales of the Crypt, just a do do do. Just a review of the Live and Let Die theme song. Do you want to come on to the CO where we do James Bond themes? Because we're doing that. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. When is it? <laughs> we can compare calendars call, later. Call, call my agent. Yeah. He also wrote uh, Superman 1 and 2, the ones with Christopher Reeves. He's also Christopher mm-hmm. Reeves is also in 3 and 4, but he did 1 and 2. <laughs> and this guy also wrote Ladyhawk. Oh, man. <laughs> Ladyhawk. What you watch when Beastmaster isn't on television. Usually these days I try to find like a little like sweet little vignette or clip or like fun uh-huh, fact sure. about this guy. Couldn't really find much, surprisingly. Yeah, so. Sure. I don't know. Probably he's probably he's a lovely man. I'm sure he's fine. I'm also probably he's probably R.I.P. But I don't know. Moving on to the cast, we have Andrew McCartney playing the lead role of Edward in this. Um, you probably know him as one of the Brad Pack members. Uh, he uh, was the rich guy in Pretty in Pink, the rich guy in Saint Elmo's Fire, and the rich guy in Mannequin. <laughs> so his he's a he's been typecast as a rich guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he is no longer acting. Mm-hmm. He now is a travel writer. Mm-hmm. Um, Rick Steves, is that you? No, it decidedly isn't. Uh, but he he does make a living that way. And that seems to be like a good thing that he's doing. Um, he does have a story in his past that reminded me a little bit of his character, Edward, in this. Which is that in 1999, uh, McCartney is fresh out of rehab and he heard that his carol that his high school sweetheart carol schneider <laughs> carol um carol 20 years after they had dated mm-hmm. was see was seen about town with some other with a new beau and he said um and that she seemed really happy and he said that for some reason it bothered him for a week so she he called her up and asked if she was really into this guy and asked her out for coffee mm-hmm. and they got married and then in 2002, Whoa. they had a kid. Mm-hmm. And then in 2005, they divorced. So they were together for six years? Mm-hmm. That's respectable. Yeah. But I did think it was sort of weird that he basically was like, someone told me my ex was out and about and looked ple- like l- looked like she was having a great time. And he was like, well, that's not very good. Yeah, this is one of those stories that, uh, that, that a couple tells you. And they're like, <laughs> isn't this funny? You're like, I mean, yeah, yeah like, uh, uh, sure. Mm. That's a story definitely that a publicist could make gold out of, but a publicist didn't. Um, He's now remarried. Seems fine. I'm sure everyone's fine. Everyone's doing well. (laughs) But, yeah. 
Um, also, we have Muriel Hemingway in this as Miranda Singer. This is the granddaughter of Ernest Hemingway. Did you realize that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I I did a little sneaky peek look at who is <laughs> who the who the cast was, yeah. and I was like, no way. She holds the distinction, and this is this is where the distinction happens, of being the first actress to ever appear nude in Tales from the Crypt. So season three, it took us till season three. I'm a little surprised. Yeah, I guess you're. I guess you're right. I, I I'm getting myself goofed up because I'm thinking about Demon Knight, which happens later in time. Yes, we watched that. I was like, nah, we saw. But I think you're right. Little a nice little I, tasteful side, not really side boob, just silhouette boob. Mm-hmm. Um, she also famously is Tracy, the teenager that Woody Allen is dating in the beginning of Manhattan. And she is the third side of a Superman and Lois Lane love triangle in Superman 4, not the one that Mankiewicz wrote. Right. Isn't isn't Superman 4 the canon film Superman? Uh, probably. Yeah. I don't think it's very well thought of at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she is the lead in a movie called Sex Monster, which is about a man who bullies his wife into having a threesome. But ha ha, jokes on him. She loves it more than he does and becomes a titular sex monster. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds really good. Very woke uh-huh. and good. When I was reading about her movies, with uh, the exception of Manhattan, but even this, like reading about this, reading about uh, Sex Monster, I kept coming across this thing where it's basically just like dudes being like, I mean, I wish we could have seen like more things of her not wearing no clothes. <laughs> so I just want to say, Meryl Hemingway, I bet you have a bunch of creeptastic fans, and I'm sorry about that. You don't deserve that. Gets a lot of, gets a lot of weird, weird physical letters. Yeah, probably. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, lady. Yeah. You don't deserve that. Nope. Um, so she's she's an interesting character. We also have David Hemming, Hemmings, mm-hmm. um, who definitely has like a lot of clout. He's a he was like an icon and a man about town during sort of a groovy pop culture moment of the 60s and 70s. Um he was in a cl- the classic thrillers uh, in the lead role in Blow Up and Deep Red, mm-hmm. and he also has a part in uh, the kitsch classic Barbarella. Yeah. Um, the fun fact I found about him was he was raised by a man who was a cookie merchant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a cookie merchant. When you say that, maybe that's because I've been listening to uh, a Circle Round podcast with my daughter. That makes me think that a cookie merchant is a man with a ship. And a velvet cloak who travels around mm-hmm. the world <laughs> trading great. silk and spices for rare cookies, which he then I don't think I don't think you're wrong yet. <laughs> which he then sells to uh, kings, queens, and sort of noblemen. <laughs> Maybe the odd Trader Joe's to be buttered. Right, exactly. It's yeah, it's not uh, I don't I don't think about a cookie vendor or even a, a cookie wholesaler or something. I imagine full on cookie Marco Polo. I mean, I, I do think that that's what it implies. Otherwise, you would say a baker. I don't know, but but also or an owner of a bakery. But also, David Hemmings is is British, and mm-hmm. British people use different words. <laughs> Those Brits have a different word for. I know, but they're like cookie they're, they're just like they're just like, hey, love, I'm gonna pop on me bracers, get in the lift, and go to the cookie merchants. I'm getting a degree in cook it and cookie merchantry. <laughs> cookie and merchantry. Co- cookie with mercantilism. A in cookies. <laughs> cookie mercantiles. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, I'm sure I'm uh, sure being a cookie merchant just means you like had a cookie store. <laughs> yeah. Uh but that's just funny. Yeah. Uh rounding out this slim cast, we have Kathleen Freeman, who is barely in this so much to the point where I don't know why she's in it. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of glad. But she might be my favorite character in it, so I'm glad she's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and most, she's a she's a comedic character actress. She has done a million little parts in a million different things. Um, but most notably, she is the penguin in the Blues Brothers. She's like the oh, nun mm-hmm. that comes to them mm-hmm. and asks for help. Yeah. Um, and she has this uh, this quote. She started out tra- uh, as a serious actress and then kind of fell into comedy and realized that she was really, really good at it. And she says, I think comedy is more powerful than drama in the long run. Comedy is more difficult. It's very easy to make people cry. I just liked it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That has that funny thing, though, where uh, a little bit, if, if what you say is, you know, if what you say is true, 
that. I try, I try to be a dramatic actress, but I was way better at being a comedian, which is much harder anyway. <laughs> <laughs> which is better anyway in the long run. Better done, done, and done. more difficult, even though I was better at that. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, cool. Well, <clears throat> Love to Death is the story of one <laughs> Edward Foster, a struggling screenwriter. With an un- From Floster Gloucester? <laughs> with an unrequited infatuation with his shapely neighbor, Miranda Singer. He's not nearly important or rich enough to get a date with her, but he has an ace up his sleeve, a love potion from his creepy landlord. (laughs) But when her sexually voracious appetite proves to be too much, he has to seek a permanent solution to his terrible problem. Bum, bum, bum. (laughs) I'm laughing, but, you know, the story is really pretty dark. It's really repugnant. Yeah, it's it's real bad. (laughs) It's real bad. Uh, so, Ray, what, what 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 moral lessons did you learn from Love to Death? Um, well, I think probably that that in the text, it's something like the worst thing that can happen to you is for all your dreams to come true. Is like probably yeah, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. Um, be careful who you give rape potion to. But I think that there's lots of good morals like. Don't invite strange, violent men into your apartment. Mm-hmm. Don't watch people when they pour you a drink. That sort of thing yeah. is also definitely there. I did my classic three. Here are my three. Slip your lady friend secret liquids for fun and profit. Don't be a delusional, unlovable rapist scumbag. And even in the afterlife, women are robbed of their autonomy. Yeah, man, those afterlife scenes were also like very bleak. Yeah, we we, we will. Let, I, I I am happy to devote an entire little segment to just talking about just that. So this, as as you can tell, because of the way we're talking and that we have outright stated that this was this episode isn't great. Um, not just be, it's not just I don't think an issue that you know the gender politics are repugnant and you're sort of the, the 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 main character is a you know is a, is a shitty man, but. <laughs> Um, also, it, it has kind of a tone problem. It wants to be, it wants Edward to be, I think, kind of like like a little goofy and likable, maybe. Like, it's a little bit cartoony, not as much as Corman's Calamity, which has a similar problem. Uh, but also, I, I, I don't know, I, I feel like, are we supposed to feel a little bit sympathetic towards his antics? I don't understand the tone of this yeah. at all. Yeah. So it's very funny, sort of. It makes you think it's supposed to be funny, right? But I, it's it, it only highlights for me how like awful the the themes of it are, and also like leaves me fully in the weeds with like who I'm supposed to be rooting for, who's a bad guy, who's a good guy, who's a victim, who's a rescuer. I, I just don't know. <laughs> victim, rescuer. <laughs> it's very weird. Like I mean, I mean we say that, but it, it, I mean. But also maybe it's not weird because Edward is bad. Miranda is 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 just a victim who doesn't even have autonomy, uh, even in the sweet release of death. Mr. Strontham is bad. And Mrs. Parker is uh, just a little uh, little one scene joke machine. So, <laughs> yeah, well, it's because she doesn't she doesn't want to take the easy way out and make you cry. That's right. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's where I here's where I feel like there's like. They're little, they're little like interesting threads here and there <laughs> that just totally don't go anywhere yeah. or get expanded on. Like, so you have Edward and his whole deal is that he's trying to write like this sort of puritanical, yeah. De- what like, he describes as a decent, wholesome movie, which did you look at when you, uh, when I, when I watched it the second time, I noticed the document he's writing on is called Love to Death. So he's, he's writing the story of what we're seeing kind of uh but it's not really interesting it doesn't seem like a movie it seems like an episode of a sitcom it totally has the hi dear hi yeah. and he walks in like dear i got that promotion and she makes him a mar- they, they drink a martini together and then she is instantly horny and tears her clothes off and she's wearing i wrote in my notes great 80s lingerie i don't know if it's great but it's definitely like entirely made of lace <laughs> um and yeah and right, and then um, this it's and, and then she says things like she takes his she basically takes his dick out and says, "Oh my God, it's practically talking to me." 
And then it was and, and you, it was weird. And it cuts to him and you're like, oh, this this man isn't writing a TV series. This man is writing a porn. <laughs> I think this gentleman is a is a is a porn scripter, which, which is great. You know, that that's great. The world needs needs guys to write pornos. It's great. Um, but is isn't this sort of like a little microcosm of the episode? Um, right. You know, he's this he's this guy with with, you know, uh, accomplishments that can only be described using all lowercase letters. <laughs> And there's this woman with this striking Amazonian woman with with a mane of white hair who is unreasonably in love with him, especially after she takes a drink. And uh, and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, he kind of has that. Oh, my gosh, what's happening kind of thing. Um, but but uh, fine. With that in mind, I don't know that this informs anything that come comes next. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, so what's weird to me is that he seems to, he's like a character, as a person who wants to be morally upright, but there seems to be this, this, he's tormented, right? Like, he's, he works really hard at being like, no, I'm going to write something decent, but then it always devolves into these sort of like violent sexual fantasies or like when he's creeping on her in the laundry room, right? But then, like, I don't really know what they tell us we're supposed to think about any of that. Well, and, and I think we're giving it too much credit. I know what you're saying. Um, uh, I want to talk about this a little bit later. Um, he, he kind of has these daydreams where he sees her. He sees the real life actress Miranda as the, the, the character who he then later names Miranda, who is the character in his in his decent, wholesome movie. Um, but I don't think we're meant to see that he is, you know, a sick and evil man this whole time. I think we're. I think this is supposed to be like kind of, kind of fun. The same way it's fun when, uh, uh, when you know Mickey Mouse is starving on a desert island and thinks that Goofy or Donald looks like a big turkey leg and tries to bite him. You, you, you know what I mean? I don't think that. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think we're. I don't, I don't think this is supposed to be a. Uh, this isn't supposed to be like the voices or a, you know we're not we're, we're not. We're not supposed to walk away from this thinking that, you know, oh, he was a he was a dangerous nut job the whole time. You know, I don't I don't think that's it. Maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's just really weird. And then so then I go, I'm like, well, who if she, if he is not like to get hints, what are we supposed to think of Miranda right. in this? I mean, I think that she actually seems okay. Yeah, she. I think she acts like a normal person. If if maybe a little bit overly nice and indulgent of the of her weird neighbor, the failed screenwriter. Um, but yes. But also, there's some. Uh, uh, this trades in some pretty vile misogyny. I think in that you have her talking to her agent, and she's been in. What, I didn't write it down. What's the name of the the movie she's been in? Like Beach Bimbo Two or Bimbo Cops Two or something like that. And then she says something like, um, full frontal nudity is, is something that Miranda Singer is all about. Like, you tell him that I... Yeah, it's never been a problem. Yeah, never been a problem for me. Which is... Which is... Which is not fine. Um, not not that a actress saying that would not be not fine. But instead, this totally is kind of the thing. Um, they're, they're trading in a thing where she's she's a dirty... She's a little bit of a dirty girl. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not great. <laughs> Um, but she herself, I think, treats um, Edward actually surprisingly decently um, in that, you know, she's she's nice to him. She's like, look, man, it's not going to work between us. Um, if anything, she just gives him an unreasonable number of second chances um, and and seems like appropriately irritated with him when he uh, uh, has a mental break while she's talking on the phone and tries to grab her, tries to hug her and kind of nuzzle the back of her neck because he thinks that she's the character that he creepily uh, named after her after he meets her. Um, so I, it, I don't think anybody would have what happens to her coming, but they also don't, I feel like they don't go out of their way to make her unsympathetic or anything. She, she seems fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I just don't know what to think because like, I think that they, they go out of their way to make it seem like like you get all those scenes with her talking on the phone i think we're supposed to be a little bit grossed out when she's like come back and see me when you're rich and famous mm-hmm. but like but nothing is nothing is particularly nothing really sticks right i i, I feel ter- 
I don't even really want to talk about this because it's not uh, there's no pot of gold at the end of this sort of delving. But we're not we're not given to believe that she is leading him on or they, they do nothing that would make anybody even a even a terrible, you know, 1990s uh, uh, misogynist be be on on Edward's side. She she is just straight up a victim in this story. But the story doesn't seem to know or state that. Right? Yeah. I, I, I mean, maybe, I, maybe I'm making it too, too strong. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just, I, I felt like it didn't, it didn't give us enough. So you pointed out that this had a lot, this is very similar to um, the thing from the grave. Mm-hmm. Um, and Corman's calamity, and I agree. Although at least in those, you had pretty good ideas, even if it was repugnant. Yeah, yeah, right. Who, who is good and who is who bad? was the good guy and who is the bad guy? This doesn't really have it. I also noted. I think this is deeply derivative of Till Death as well, where you have like a skeezy dude and a beautiful but ball busting lady, and there's a love potion that he gives her that binds them together forever, and it ends with him screaming as like. Her, yeah. she is now rendered gross by death. Right. And right. they're tied together forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it lacks all the strengths of that episode because you don't like that is an episode where you don't actually feel sorry for anybody who are who is in that couple either, but at least you know that like what he did was the was the worst thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I don't know if I necessarily get that that moral that moral handed to us the same way. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, let's 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 talk about just some of the earlier stuff before we dive into some maybe some more stuff where we just talk and get mad. Um, I think Edward has a bunch of Weasley Martin short energy in this. Um, Agreed. All of his, yeah, that's really All good of his call. clothes kind of look like they're a little bit too big. <laughs> Jacket's always about a half size too big. Um, I do like the conversation that he has with his weird neighbor, Mrs. Parker. In the hallway, so he uh, so he has he has this weird landlord, Mister Stronham or Stan Stonham Stoneham Stonham whatever, um, uh, David Hemmings, who uh, lives who apparently is kind of a shut in and lives in his own room in the uh, in the apartment building and communicates with the outside world through a closed circuit TV camera, and we we get just sort of like partial shots of his hands and stuff, and he he almost looks like he's supposed to be an albino or something. He's so he's very pale. And wreathed in cigarette smoke, uh, and I, uh, I do kind of like the the initial interactions with him, where Edward will go and talk about how the sink's sink's broken, and the guy says, "I already know," <laughs> and he's like, "How do you know?" And then he talks to the neighbor, and then he talks back to the landlord. He's like, "It's already fixed." <laughs> yeah, it's like crazy. weird and creepy. Um, but I do like um, that his neighbor says um, when she's looking at his, uh, his his drops his laundry, and she says, "Boxer shorts will get you nowhere in this town." <laughs> <laughs> I love everything. The, na- yeah. the neighbor is the only one that yeah. I actually like. Um, like his body, his bald body, old lady neighbor. Mm-hmm. I guess so. Like the 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 landlord with the closed circuit camera. To me, that that would make it like a story about voyeurism. Right. But then I don't really think it delivers on no, that. No, no, no. I mean voyeurism, and then you're like, oh, it's the guy from Blow Up. Oh yeah, give it, give it to me. No, <laughs> I am on board for this. Let's do some themes. But no. And doesn't even deliver on, like, the concept I mean, of obsession either. When he changes the name in the script, I was like, uh-oh. Right, right. He killed Louise. Right, yeah. Or something, right? right. This is his new we're obsession. Just, we're just, but we're like, just writing a better no. episode, yeah. Um, I, yeah, no. I, th- I liked the, um, did you like, does it feel, I, I say I like, but it makes me feel very weird that his It's a Wonderful Life poster is hanging above his bed and is sort of... In, <laughs> He keeps seeing himself or uh, Miranda as the, you know, as the character as in the principal, like, you know, being over the faces. Um, but I, I don't I, I guess it's wonderful. Life is a, is a great love story. But it's, it's weird that this is this is seen as his like guiding light sort of. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that they probably were just trying to think of like, who what is a what's a movie that's incredibly written and has like wholesome values. It's a wonderful life. Done. Yeah, Frank Capra. Yep. Um, the th- and it might also, there might be some like kind of like inside joke there, but it, it just works. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just, I felt like the, the, these are all like interesting threads. They just go nowhere. And actually, because 
I can't even find myself getting really mad about this episode, even though I think it's rapey and horrible, because it's too soupy. Like, I'm just like, okay. I mean. Yeah, it's not. Yes. Yeah. You're not saying anything at all. You're just like, look at this terrible situation. I am. We do have a little bit of more voyeurs. Remember, he does the creepy peeping in the uh, in the laundry facility. Yeah. This is more Corman's calamity, right? At the laundromat, the sexiest place you can, <laughs> the place where you can take out your underpants in public. Well, and this woman just like fully takes off her clothes. Yeah, that's where She's we get, like, that's where wash we get, get the boob profile. He's like hiding yeah. behind a box of a pile of boxes. Oof. I don't know. It is weird. Do you think it's, I think it's weird how different their apartments are. She has like a lush palatial. That's actually kind of a funny thing that I thought was actually kind of yeah, good. Yeah, I kind of liked that. She actually. has a, like a lush Beverly Hills apartment sort of apartment. Not their apartments there, but you know, it kind of looks like a, like a movie star mansion. And he has a clear, you know, starving artist Garrett sort of uh, apartment. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it'd be stronger if we had, if we had picked one thing, like, am I supposed to like, even so the love potion, it, it this, this is so, this is so like, non-committal to anything that I'm not even sure I'm supposed to think that what Edward did with the love potion is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, what I mean. I yeah. like, is it sort I of think a, it's wrong, but right. But, but is, is, the, is, right. is this supposed to tales for the crypt think it's wrong or, or is he going in like fully evil? Is this kind of a, be careful what you wish for as it turns out, you, you know, right. Yeah. I, I think he's portrayed as being kind of hapless. And then, yep. and then remember, she says um, something about, you know, I'll meet you for a drink. And then she goes out with that other guy and leaves him waiting for five fucking hours. So, you know, at that, when, um, when he talks, when his landlord tells, tells him that you're like, oh, he's getting, he's getting red pilled. He's about to become a proud boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then like, even then everything happens too quickly, I think. Yeah. Or they're like, they don't, they don't choose anything in particular. I mean, like, so the only thing I can land on, the only thing that I think maybe it's trying to say is objectification mm-hmm. is maybe the message like, don't just because you think something looks good doesn't mean it is good for you. But that doesn't quite work. Like, if that was the case, they would make a love story and then sh- she wouldn't be like so obsessed with sex that she like kind of like drives him like drives him to the brink physically yeah it would be it would be that she has actually a terrible personality he doesn't like being with her but they're in love so they have to stay together forever and and, and stories like that usually don't end don't end with with you being like well gotta kill her like it's not it's not like a, it's this isn't this isn't an episode of wizards of waverly place where we all learn a lesson and and everybody changes and grows just a little bit <laughs> you know what i mean this is i he it's the the fact that he affects change by secretly putting things in her drink more than once makes it feel real gross and the fact yes. that the love potion in this isn't just a love potion it's just kind of like it just makes her real horned up for him all the time. That's so so kind of visceral and physically sexual. Also makes it feel real gross. Like even more yep. even more gross and bad than a normal sort of love um, potion kind of story would. Um, I, do, I also remember he slips her the love potion, and then she's then she says she wants him to get out of the apartment to leave her alone, and he won't. And so she says something like, uh, "Hello, nine one one." There's a man in my apartment. He won't get out. He won't get out. He won't get out of his clothes. Yep. And that's that. Uh, and then later in that same scene, after she, this is the second time we have seen this actress rip her clothes off to have hilarious 80s uh, lingerie on underneath. Um, buttons flying and everything. She says, Christ, you taste good. And he says, I know. <laughs> weird. That's a weird, terrible thing to say. Um, and... Uh, it kind of feels to me like accidentally we like the like there were two there were two runners in the hall walking with different scripts to different rooms and they like crashed into each other and the scripts flew up in the air and the pages of a Tales from the Crypt got mixed up with a tale with a the Red Shoe Diaries yeah and that's what happened I mean maybe it feels like that yeah it feels like like kind of like just overly titillating there's a bunch of and like just like it's a bunch of sex but none of it is particularly like not, no, even that is not a no, terrible yeah, it's not yeah, it's 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 not erotic there's a lot there's a couple gross blowjobs by which i just mean the classic kind of uh 
like 80, 90s erotic thriller kind of thing where you just see some man looking like he's having a like having a heart attack or something and you're like oh we know what's happening mm-hmm. um we feed we, he so he slips a love potion he makes her his slave basically and then they're having too much sex and he says these words he says i'm fucked out which also feels kind of kind of gross and bad sorry mom and dad mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. And she says, I'm going to drain you dry. I don't know why I'm giving her, making her talk kind of like a wrestler. <laughs> I'm going to drain you dry, brother. The, Hul- the Hulkster. <laughs> the Hulkster's going to run wild on you and drain you dry. But Hulkster's going to climb I think, you I like think, a tree. I think something, so there's a lot of, when she, so because, I guess because this is TV, but also just the way it's written, the sexuality is also very juvenile, um, I think. Um, despite it, because she, she, you know, right. She's always, she's always tearing off her clothes and she's dressed like she's in a Fredericks of Hollywood catalog. And then she just sort of like throws them on a bed and they just kind of like writhe around again. I get it. Yep. I get it that they, they're not going to, you know, show full penetration or anything. I get that. But it also just kind of feels like the way that like you, like, like a young, a youngish teenager would imagine sex to be, you know, kind of like, mm-hmm. and then, and then she's there and she looks like the girl on the catalog. And then we do it. Not real clear on the specifics, but we do it <laughs> fully. But it gets done. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. Um, Agreed. Then later, uh, I think the scene where he hits her also really, really for me is where I, I, I mean, at that point, if you're at all on board with it, you shouldn't be after that. Where she, she, she basically she wants more sex and he's like, no, get away from me. And he punches her. And suddenly the movie kind of becomes, again, like a like basic instinct body of evidence kind of movie. Um, because she kind of like she does the kind of thing <laughs> there's no there's no fake blood or anything but she kind of does the thing where she like tastes the blood from her split lip and kind of looks at him and you can tell she's like way into it and I'm just like oh, we, oh episode feels so bad feels so bad yeah it's gross yeah. it's gross so but then what's his but then what's his punishment at the right, end? His right, actual right. punishment. So he goes to the girls. I don't know, I feel the like recap us. I think it's just because it's like, no, look, we have to build a case. This is bad and dangerous. Don't watch it. <laughs> is it because I just repeatedly keep being like, I don't really think there's much here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but so right, he goes to see the gross landlord who we see has had pictures of beautiful women, um, and then has a picture of Miranda in his apartment now too. Um on display, and the the landlord basically is like, Hey, um, you know, <laughs> there is no antidote for a poison this strong. And the antidote is, is more is, in fact, more poison. So he gives her poison to poison her with. And so he goes goes back home. He slips her the poison, but she switches the glasses kind of by accident. And then he poisons himself. He dies. He appears to be in heaven. And Miranda is there and she's still in love with him and still obsessed. And she reveals that she was so distraught. She jumped out the window. But oh, bummer. Her face is all ugged up because she busted her face when she fell. Wah, wah. And he's like, no, it's this just is a very like sweary a- episode. But I'm like, fuck you, episode. Fuck you, writers. Yeah, well, and it's just like it just blows me away because till death functionally on paper is the exact same story. Right. Yeah. But. It has other it has other hooks so that you know what it's trying to say and you like walk away and you're like, that guy was bad. That woman was also kind of bad. So I'm not too sad that she's dead, right. but she didn't deserve well, that. And, thing. Also, and now right. that guy definitely deserves to have like to have to French a skeleton for the rest of his right, life. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I mean, maybe maybe if you want to like really you could be like, well, because he's in hell, probably that's not really Miranda. That's, you know, some demon who's tormenting. So because I mean. How because te- t- do you think he's in hell? Well, here's the thing: you, wouldn't it be I, for, for for poisoning a woman that he poisoned before? I hope so. Great, great question, right? I so. No, I thought it was. I mean, really unless, weird. unless, I think unless it's supposed it. to be like ironic heaven, I assume it's supposed to be like a hellish punishment. The thing is, if that's really Miranda, that's a hellish punishment for her, and she has done nothing wrong. Yeah, no, I think it is her. I think that they are in heaven. I think this episode is just dumb. I mean, this would be like, <laughs> like this, this is totally like a thing where <laughs> it would be like the serial killer finally goes to hell and while in hell or heaven in the afterlife, he just has to revisit his crimes over and over again. Oh, no, he actually loves that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. He doesn't love it because he only loved Miranda because right, she had right, a beautiful right. now face. She's all now she's got up. a gross oh, face. Gross. The worst. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, this so this this I felt like maybe it's just the the like lip biting scene and everything, but this 
This episode um, makes me think about. Well, definitely the landlord has that going on. Like, why does he have the pictures? He doesn't even explain it. I mean, right. you can make some inferences. Yeah, no, no. But... I think so. I So, yeah. So I think that there, there are two deeply 90s things happening here. I think, number one, I think with Miranda, we sort of have a modified version of the erotic thriller, as I sort of, uh, of um, alluded to earlier, this genre that was so big in the 90s and that doesn't I, I don't really think exactly exists in the same way anymore. Um, and then also, I think that um, the <clears throat> the landlord basically is like a serial killer by proxy because it, it, it's heavily implied and kind of stated that he gives people these love potions and then it's always too much for the man. So then that he has to give them poison to kill the woman and he has these pictures. So he takes trophies like a like a movie serial killer does. And uh, and, and that's what that is. So he's e- so he is evil. It's his fault. How dare you offer me lo- rape juice? You know? Yeah, like I just like if this should we should we needed something else. We needed at least some other we needed to know more about the landlord. What are his motivations in this? Like, like, is he like, do we connect him as he's the writer of a story himself for putting these people into the situation? But it's a horror story. I mean, like that would work. I think you could get away. I I think you get away with not elaborating on the landlord if you just make it more clear that he is sort of a faustian demonic sort of figure and and i think if if edward had a more clear moral arc you wouldn't it it could just be like yeah okay so he goes and sees this dude who can give him a love potion fine and then the guy gives him poison fine you know that sort of he's always that if you think that if edward is a bad guy who's always trying to kind of take the easy way out or even if edward is a good guy who somehow gets tricked and, and and it's too much for him and is trying to make the best of a bad situation, but is damned because he sold his soul. You, you, do you know what I'm saying? If, if they did this mm-hmm. as a more of a uh, Faustian bargain sort of thing, that would be that would that would at least be a more coherent sort of story. Um, I think that uh, I, I think the landlord does. I think the character of the landlord is kind of is, is, is fairly well done and fun. I like the. Uh, the um the old lady says that he sh- I've been here five years. They've never seen him. Um, I like that. I like that. Early on, he says, "Happy hunting, kid." <laughs> mm-hmm. He's got a lot of kind of saw or seven energy with the like cameras in the office and the curtains that open with nobody touching them and stuff like that. Um, uh, I do like that he acknowledges that the love potion is poison. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not, so this wasn't good stuff you gave her. There's no, there's no way that this is an okay thing. You, you straight up mm-hmm. poisoned her. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, do you know what I mean? The, I, I think that you could imagine an episode of Hannibal that involves someone like this. Some guy, <laughs> some sicko who gets off on tricking people into, into having to yeah. poison their girlfriends. <laughs> I just I wanted more like yeah. he, th- so you must have closed circuit cameras on all of the right. apartments as well. He sees everything like yeah like that would be that would be fine. I just feel like if you get like an like an iconic thriller slash horror movie actor and you give him this to do, I'd be mad oh, yeah. if what, I were what, him. What a waste! What a waste of everyone's time. What a this, waste. This episode was. What a waste, honestly, of all of these people. Like Andrew McCartney might not be my favorite actor of all time, but he can like. He can act. He <laughs> yeah. can do a good job. You have a good cast here. The script is just yes. like as 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 empty and as uh, shallow as a wet napkin. Like it's just it's not. Yeah. You want to talk? You want to talk about erotic thrillers at all? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Basic instinct. Body of evidence. Jade. Poison ivy. Wild things. Fatal attraction. Sliver. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I think a lot of those are based around, well, he's a, a, a genuinely good guy, but then he's seduced and he's, he's like, brought down by his baser instincts, which you kind of get a little bit with Edward, like, yeah. the sexually tortured man. Yeah. But, but like, I guess my thing is, why are the stakes high? <laughs> like, what is he supposed? Like, what is Edward supposed to do beyond not creep on women and not give them love potions? Mm-hmm. Like, why do you introduce this as an as an element? You don't really get a sense of what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. 
so such that when he does the wrong thing, you're not like, uh oh, uh oh, Edward, no, no. Well, I mean, like, like I mean, but like, what he's supposed to do is leave, leave, leave his poor neighbor alone, who has been way too kind to him, and not let him on in any inappropriate way, and in fact, of is course. like, no, we, if anything, we know too that. Explicit but what him. is the text? Yeah, what is the yeah. text telling us he's supposed to no, do? No, it no, doesn't no, really give no, us. No, you're, you're totally right. Again, options. again, that's what I was sort of alluding to at the top, and this takes you down a very bad rabbit hole. But right, you don't get a thing where it's like she was leading him on, or you know. He, yeah. he desperately, he desperately needs her to love him for some reason. Because <laughs> as far as you can well, tell, all, the, all those, all those like uh, sexy thrillers, the way they do it is they always make the man be married. Yeah, you're right. And then right. you know what he's supposed to do. He's not supposed to cheat on his wife. Or right? yeah, or 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 he's the detective solving the case and she's the murderer. <laughs> Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like you, you give him something that you like. Absolutely. There's a line that is crossed. Mm-hmm. And obviously, obviously, Edward does cross a line here. But you don't <laughs> you don't have like something to ground it and give it stakes. Yeah. It just feels dumb. Yes. <laughs> like it just feels like two people you don't know enough about engaged in something that feels bad. Yeah. Do you. uh so how how do you feel about this genre of of a flick? Do you think it's is it? it I've tried. To, I think it's deeply misogynistic. Yeah, yeah. Is, is there any empowerment to be found here? No. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I feel like when you read about it, they'll be like, "No, these these girl bosses are using their sexuality," and you're like, "Yeah," in a in a way that is like a male pornographic fantasy. Well, even worse. And then at still, the end, they're always crazy, or they're villains, or, or yeah. if they're not, like um, you. You probably don't remember this one. That's it was popular, but not not passed down through time. The sliver, have- sliver, the one with Billy Baldwin. In it. Um, no, I don't it, remember it, that it, one. There's a, it's a woman who's being tormented by a voyeur and involved in deeply sexual. Like you know, it's 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 she is not bad or crazy, but it's one of those like yuppies in trouble or kind of a, like a, it's like a horror movie. Like the whole thing is just how sexy and dangerous is it going to get for her? But then at the same, but right, but surely at least part of the implied message is like, good girls don't do this. You, you know, you know do, you, do you like how I'm using my, my erotic thriller voice? Mr. Movie Phone, uh, <laughs> Mr. Movie Phone goes to Sharon Stone's yeah, house yeah. voice. Yeah. Mr. Movie Phone has an erection. <laughs> yeah, but, but okay. But oh. I wanted to bring up there, there are, there is one movie that is frequently cited as being an example of this that I think is a little bit different. Um, and I hope you have seen it, but because uh, otherwise Andrew could just cut this part right out. Um, and then one movie that I know you've seen and it's very personal to us and I think would be interesting to talk about through this lens. So the first movie is Bound. Have you seen this? The Wachowski uh, siblings um, uh, film with Gina Gershwin and uh, what's her name? Jessica Tilly. Bound. I don't think I've seen it. Oh, man. This. It's so it's about um, it's about a woman who is a uh who is like the girlfriend of a mobster who's um, played by the guy who plays uh, Tony, the, the super violent guy who dates Tony Soprano's sister for like a season or two before Tony has to kill him. And, um, and a, uh, her, the, I think she's a neighbor, like the handy woman of the apartment or something. But anyway, they, they embark on a lesbian relationship and they decide to rip off the mobster boyfriend for, for some money. And it's like one mm-hmm. of these, you know, taught erotic thrillers but also i think they did if i recall they did a lot of rad stuff they got some prominent um lesbians to come in and sort of consult on the sex scenes and things like that and it's and it's pretty good and it's you know it's gina gershwan so gina gershwan's name is corky yeah right and she's right and she's i think the queen of like hollywood exploitative cinema so Mm -hmm. i feel like this one gets put in there and you're like oh maybe there is like one that kind of has okay politics but it's because the women aren't crazy the women are the heroes and um Mm -hmm. and and it's just you know it's just it just fits into this by virtue of being a film that is erotic and also a thriller. <laughs> like, um, but the other movie I wanted to bring up was, so I married an ax murderer, which I think is like a joke, jokey way to trade on. I think a lot of these tropes, um, with the idea that, right. you know, right. The black widows. Yes. Yeah. This one, the, you know, the, the sort of badness of it. And even the reveal is, I think sort of hilariously, um, kind of upends some of this, but I think, I think that so I married an ax murderer is poking fun at this, um, as well. Yeah, that's fair. No, I I think that these movies, um, these movies try to like trade on the idea that I, these movies get away with being being considered classics and not being written off as misogynistic garbage because they cast really interesting actresses, mm-hmm. right? 
Like, it feels bad to say that Glenn Close is being exploited because she's such a powerhouse. Sure. It feels bad to say right. that Sharon Stone right, is being right. exploited because she's such a powerhouse. And probably, and I don't I don't know the situation of those movies, it's neither here nor there. Um, I hope they weren't on the set. I sure, hope they were sure, treated sure. great and they made lots of money. Right, yeah. But, like... No, but like those movies are about like women who are leaving, living independent lives and you are contrasting that with the like stability of more traditional family values of like a man who has a family or is like I represent law and order in the case of Right, right, right. Um, yes. It, yep. it, 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 it at the very least it sort of reduces it down to like men are pliable and blinded by sex whereas women want power and are cool calculating cats you know or the women who do want power are like are bad guys yeah. are no, like it the totally, ultimate yes, yes, villain yes. It's, it's yes and and there's there's a lot of I don't even it's, kink shaming I think does not is not enough of a thing at this time but just kind of a thing too right like they all want to have rough or weird sex because they're messed up <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's supposed to be like it's supposed to be like these men have all these all these bad fantasies about women like this. But actually, those women are like are lethal yeah. to Ooh, them. They're deadly. So they're poison. Bad, so bad. That girl is and you poison. Want to be like, I mean, and you want to be like, I mean, I don't know. She seems like she probably is just like a woman in her 30s who's not married yet. No, but, but I mean, like, yes, but also they usually are sort of cartoonishly evil. Or no, no, no. Crazy. They make them crazy. But at, the, <laughs> at like the offset, you're like, these are normal people. Like people make these choices. It's not, yeah, yeah. you know, just just because you're not married by the time you're 32 does not mean you're going to boil someone's bunny. Like that's not <laughs> the case. Um, I'm trying to remember that movie that Demi Moore is in about like... Uh, it's like um, it's like Demi Moore and um, oh man, who's the who's the president from West Wing? Oh, um, Martin Sheen. There's a Demi Moore Martin Sheen movie. Wait, Disclosure. Oh, oh yeah, Disclosure. Michael. Yeah, the, based oh, no, no, on the sorry, Michael Douglas. Yeah, 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 Michael Douglas is the king of these movies. Yeah, Disclosure yes. based on the very gross Michael Crichton book. Yeah, yes. Is there, yes, but that's like a movie that's even crazier. You would think that it would be like the opposite of this, where it'd be like, no, these people, like, you know, you because ha- it, it's it gen it's a gender reversal, mm-hmm. so automatically we're in kind of weird territory. But in theory, you're supposed to make it at the end of that and be like, oh no, this woman, the single the single woman who had all the power, who's normally in the male's role, mm-hmm. man's role, mm-hmm. right? She was taken advantage of by this other guy. But no, 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 no. Instead, that's about, like, men can be sexually harassed, too. Yeah, and no, you're like, no. oh, but not quite this way. Yes, but no. Yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 real bad. I mean, like, when you, just if you read, like, the plot summary for Disclosure, you're like, it's it's very, it's very, it's very um, men going their own way. Or, like, women just lie. You know, yep. it's or. God help you, like a proto MRA sort of sort of thesis. I mean, it, it's mostly about how like white rich men need to be protected yeah. from women in the well, workplace. I mean, obviously, yeah, adore. Yeah. But but that's what all these movies are like. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's it's. it's I think it offers like super the superficial veneer of empowerment and sex positivity, but really they are pretty regressive. You know, jet. Across broadly regressive and sort of horrible, <laughs> which is why. Oh, for which sure. is why I think we still I think we still have movies that feed the same kind of societal like like the the appetite for what these movies do is still around. We just don't make movies like this about it. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I agree with yeah. that. I agree with that. Um, so it was interesting. So, but, th- but that's a, oh. but that's like a, just a weird, a weird aspect of this, of this movie is that, or this movie of this particular episode is that, yes, I, well, I agree. It has like all the trappings of this. It doesn't yet again, it doesn't have anything to ground you in it. Yeah, yeah. No, like it, we need to know more about Edward or we need to know more about Miranda or we need to know more about the landlord so we can understand, we can understand why, why they have the motivations they have. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a do you have an ambush question? I don't. So okay, so I have a couple ambush questions. Number one, is Mr. Stronham a supernatural entity? Uh if he is, that's real dumb, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> he is literally the devil. No, okay. Is this episode fixable? Um, I, that's an easy ambush. So you can always do that for episodes you don't like. But specifically what I wrote, and you alluded to this too. 
it would be cool for them to reveal that Foster was evil, crazy, and obsessive before this. The whole the thing where like Louise is the is is the girl mm-hmm. is a girl bear like you know dissolving in his bathtub or something. Uh, I think that I think that would be pretty good. Um, it would also mm-hmm. explain the like weird hallucinations, which again I feel like are kind of like in cartoons when somebody is lifted off the ground by the smell of a good pie, um, but instead are shown to be you know the product of a sick, diseased mind. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Do you have any? Do you have any other ways that you would uh, that you would try to fix this? For you, it's yeah, just sort of like it's easy to mean, pick a side. I mean, yeah, pick a side, or I think that it would be also interesting would be to um, to just have a twist. And make it so that she all she is also given him a love potion. It's just that <laughs> his didn't kick in yet, or something like that. Or she somebody... gives him an anti-sex potion, so now that's why he doesn't like sex. Men like sex, but he doesn't. That's... No, or like if, if like <laughs> Sorry, if like that would be the you, kind of twist they if you would recast, do. <laughs> if you recast the old lady with like a younger person, and mm-hmm. you made it be something where like they gave him the love potion, but it misfired and went to Miranda, so that you have like kind of this like puppet master almost like french farce mm-hmm. uh little 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 shades of um little shades of midsummer night's dream i was okay thinking so this anticipates my other question are love potions just a third rail are they are they ever narratively okay um i mean i like I, i'm okay with it in shakespeare uh, <laughs> which which again which, which taken as a whole you know, say what you will about the bard and his times. Generally, the gender, gender politics in it are one of those things where it's like, don't, uh, don't, don't interrogate this too closely. It's a, it's a bunch of goofy pretend. Right. Well, and and when he and when he uses it in Midsummer Night's Dream, basically you're like, oh, all those people running around the woods are cartoons. Like yeah, it's right, not yeah. right. There's like no, this no, is entirely... no one's getting hurt. No one's getting raped in the woods either. No, it's entirely, and you're supposed to be happy at the end when one guy just constantly has the love put like that's a happy ending <laughs> that's a, wait, what, weird actually here's the thing Shakespeare probably started with that and was like oh what am I gonna do and he's like oh love potion the best fairies go go boom he's like love we it, have fairies and a guy who turns into a donkey this is gonna be fine <laughs> it's gonna be fine people have suspended their disbelief so hard um yeah. no I don't think love potions are ever okay uh I do like I'm trying to think of the the movies that have love potions that I've seen recently are usually ones about witches I Mm-hmm. The ones yeah, that come, right. spring to mind are the craft and teen witch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I famously on the craft episode of space bras basically was like, Sarah's the only witch that did anything wrong because she <laughs> gave somebody a love potion. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, mean, and that's, I... and that's wrong. And in teen, Witch, a, a movie that is also about cartoon people. Hats. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the love potion is, is also rapey and uncomfortable. I think that I think the real issue is that, like, I think that love potions may have some traction in kind of your teen and tween sort of things because it is a I wish the boy would know, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, it seems c- way less sexually uh, predatory. Yeah. If it's a if it's a teenager, especially if it's a teenage girl. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's a and, and it's usually used in a let's we say sort of a pat like, you know, be careful what you wish for or as it turns out. Have you ever seen anything with a love potion that is like this gross and sexual? Not that sex is gross, just that this sex is gross. Um, I can't think of anything. I mean, the top I, mean of my head. I mean, this is like Bill Cosby talking about Spanish fly in that in that weird that weird uh, late night talk show clip, and then you, then you know you're like, oh, 20 years later, oh, this all makes too much sense. Yeah, you know, it's just you're like, it, it just oh feels, no. I mean, and maybe maybe there's a reason because it feels bad and is morally repugnant. <laughs> yeah. I so, mean, like, yeah, I mean, definitely in this particular narrative, there's no question this is this is like date rape. Yeah. Oh, the other thing that kind of has a love potion is simply irresistible. Oh. That movie is insane. Mm-hmm. I have not. Wait, is that the one? I haven't seen that one. That's think. the one with Sarah Michelle Geller and a magic crab teaches her how to cook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the, the magic restaurant one. Yeah, I haven't seen it, mm-hmm. but I, I, I know. I it's know not it explicit, but she like puts her emotions into food and he eats it. So one could assume that it has a love potion effect. It, it, she makes people feel what she feels when they eat her food. So it's like that. Uh, it's like that movie with the crabby German chef. <laughs> What's that movie called? Mostly Marta. So it's like mostly Marta, but with you know the craft. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, like, real bad. So, Mary, are you ready for me to completely blow your mind? Mm-hmm. So, this episode, right? 
giant mess, narratively a mess, thematically a mess. This episode is actually a direct remake of a first season Twilight Zone episode called The Chaser. Oh, I saw that information. Like, it is. Did you watch The Chaser? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have a chance to. Um, but I did read about it. And when you read the summary, you're like, oh, yeah, every choice they made to change this episode was a bad choice. So I'll just um, tell me about The Chaser. Yeah. So. This is about a guy named Roger who's deeply in love with a woman named Leela, who is an aloof tease who plays cat and mouse with his affections. So some stranger like goes up to him and sends him to see an old professor. And I think it's probably Damon, but D-A-E-M-O-N. So like a doc, a doctor demon or Damon mm-hmm. who he visits, who sells him a love potion for a buck. He gives it to her in the champagne. They fall madly in love and they get married. After a while, her love gets stifling. So he goes back to the professor to buy a glove cleaner, which is a poison for a thousand bucks. That's all the money he has. And the professor says, look, man, this cleaner is odorless. It's tasteless. It's completely undetectable, but you can only try it once because after that, you'll lose your nerve and you'll never give it to her. Fine. So he leaves and the professor is like music. He's like, first the stimulant, then the chaser. Fine. So he gets home. He gets the glass of murder champagne ready. Just is about to give it to her. She says, I'm, you know, Darling, we're pregnant, which shocks him. He drops the glass. He tells himself that he would never have gone through it anyway. Um, on the terrace, Dr. Damon is there relaxing with a c- cigar. He blows smoke rings that turn into little hearts and then he disappears. Hmm. So it's oh, so he's supposed to be like a Cupid. Yeah, a Cupid or maybe like a like 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 a demon. Yeah, you know, but anyway. But right. So then then you sort of you, you have a little arc. Uh, the, um, you, you know, it's not, it's not full of just like weird terribleness. It seems okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'd watch this episode. I mean, it doesn't sound like amazing or anything, but. Yeah, I, I think it's probably a little bit like forgotten for a reason. It sounds sure. fairly, but it's like, okay, but what does that, what makes that worth it? It has stakes. Yeah. She is pregnant and he is not willing to poison her and kill his unborn child. Well, and also he's not That like is a, why it is good. Well, and <laughs> also know? like it, it's sort of like at least acknowledges like basic human decency and goodness, right? Like it's kind of like, look, you're going to try to kill her, but you can only try this once because afterwards your your better nature will take over and you won't be able to do it. Right. Right. Like, I just, I don't know. Like it, that, that makes sense to me. Right. Yeah. That makes that, sense that's to like me. the way a normal human being would act maybe. I also suspect that she's just sort of like too into him since the Twilight Zone. Definitely. They're yeah, not yeah, just like yeah, humping constantly. <laughs> just um, rubbing, just rubbing and biting. Yeah. No way. But like, she probably is just like too up in his grill. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, yeah, like that makes sense. Um, I don't know. I, I honestly feel like there should have been a, a, a third love po- or, or a second or third love potion in the mix. And then that would have made it better. Yeah. <laughs> but I've been like if the old lady like the old, I kept expecting the old lady to make one of them fall in love with her. But it didn't happen because why is she in this otherwise? I don't know. Just to be fun. Just for her to be like, oh, is it decent? Uh, is it one of them dirty movies? And then he's like, no, it's decent. And she's like, oh. And basically, it's someone for him to talk to in the hall. But if she gave him a love potion, and then it was this—it was Miranda chasing him, and then him chasing this old lady, you could then have the crypt keeper come and be like, "Beauty's in the eye of the beholder," and you don't know if that eye's cloudy. You know what I mean? Like, clouds your eyes. It's fine. You can still end in a terrible place where it's like, "Gross." He loves an old, gross woman. (laughs) Yeah, you can still have the misogyny for sure. That's that's baked right on in. (laughs) Still be. It could still be bad. Don't worry. That invasive species will not be removed easily. Yeah, it yeah, won't yeah. go down without a fight. Man, I, I mean, somebody like, should I do a podcast about this. I feel like it's like fixable, but like almost to the point where you would have to change it so fundamentally that you should just throw it in the bin and start over. Yeah, yeah right, right, right. Yes, it's fixable, I guess, in that a story of a guy who is obsessed with a woman and gives her a love potion is is like an okay beginning of a story. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not but it's okay, also but... but it's also not like a terribly interesting beginning of a story. Like it doesn't seem worth saving. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's so repugnant but it's so just like te- like uh it doesn't have a head or a tail. I can't make myself get mm-hmm. mad about it. I'm just like, yep. well, this is dumb. Yep. The real question is how low do you rate this episode, Mary? 
Well, that's a question. So can we go below one? Because if it is, I'll do that. But I yeah. thought one was the bottom. <laughs> so I rated this one zero flying buttons. Okay. Um, so uh, you think zero is going to be fine? I think zero is fine. Okay. <laughs> so I will do zero thematically hollow surveillance cameras. Yep. Yep. Well, there you go. Yep. I think zero is just right. Just right for this one. <laughs> Sounds right. Off Feels the, great. Looks normal. Third season off to a great start. That's okay. Next time we're doing something way better. Yeah. Next time we'll be watching Kyle McLaughlin run, jump, and yell at a bird in a desert environment. And where all the violence of women against women stays blessedly off screen in episode two of season three, Carrion Death. Um, thank you for listening to Crypt Creepers. Please check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever podcatcher you catch them all on. Uh, and so please, <laughs> Pokemon, <laughs> go, go to the, the podcatcher. Um, and on those <laughs> platforms, please use the subscribe, rate, and review uh, features uh, liberally. We appreciate that. Hit hit that bell. Hit that bell. Get us keep our videos from being demonetized. Is that how it works? Am I doing it right? I think you're doing it right. Uh, you can also find us on our website, outrageousmechanisms.com slash crypt dash creepers. Um, and you can see our rating systems over all of the uh, all the past episodes to find the really good ones. Find the really the best of the best and the worst of the worst of Tales the, of the Crypt. The rawest meat. The rarest steak. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> the choice. Now that you get yourself cuts. truly off-putting. Tell people tell people how they can get in touch well, with we us. Are, Talk we are to us on more. the social media. You can hit us up on Twitter at CryptSibs, as in siblings, S-I-B-S, or send us hate mail at CryptSibs at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at Crypt underscore Creepers. Doesn't mention anything about looking before you leap. Perhaps if these two did, they could have saved face. <laughs> Outrageous?